hear more questions and answers with Ask Trace this number two is called on the Licensed scam. to Parent podcast on your podcast app or at licensedtoparent.org. To cheat another person is to cheat We are not ashamed of the gospel. W-I-A-M, the way, 101.1. They'll pay for their dishonesty in many Current ways. Current events. Personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. And to gather up this is a great opportunity to come to Christian Fellowship. More details and registration, go to crown.org slash To the proposed law send you to prison for sharing Jesus in Israel? Should the U.S. be upset about the latest deal between China and Iran in Saudi Arabia? And when has the long-standing practice of the honorarium become a way to break the law? Those are just some of the questions we'll try to answer as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly review of just some of the Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, March 24th, 2023. Signs of the Times is a weekly broadcast sponsored in part by Bob Johnson Insurance, a full-service independent agent with over 15 different insurance products to cover all aspects of life. For more information, you can contact the good people of Bob Johnson Insurance at 865-922-3111 or online at bobjohnsonins.com. And you can contact us with your prophecy question. Read the articles we talk about or watch previous episodes by going to the Signs of the Times section of the waymedia.net. And now, here to tell us why we park on driveways and drive on parkways is Pastor Mark, whose wife just told him that he's getting fat, but in his defense, he's had a lot on his plate lately. <laughs> That's so true. And true. I know, I know. You know, and well, you know, the funny thing was is that when I saw that joke and I thought, you know, there's truth to this. So really, you know, but you'll just have to guess which truth we're talking that's about. That's right. That's so right. you've had a lot on your plate lately yes. or that you're getting fat. I don't think you're getting fat. Yeah. Yeah. But she had heard about a great way to lose a lot of weight suddenly. So she lost me in a crowd a while back. And... <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Current. Okay. Here we are. Oh, here that's we right. are. You know what? Let's start over. That needs a refresh. You know, uh, well, I, I was going to say. <laughs> We need. We're going to have a great show today because the automation system messed up, and uh, yeah. so yeah, could, I mean, could not stop it. Yeah, um, you know, and it's just like God's word. We can't stop God's word. That's right. You can't stop prophecy. That's right. From That's happening, right. you can't contain it. You can't contain it. That's right. Yes. All right. Well, let's get into let's some get, here we articles. Go. I'm excited. Yes, we've got uh, several of them today. They're all good. Uh, this is uh, from All Israel News. Uh, two Knesset members proposed legislation to outlaw sharing the gospel in Israel and send violators to prison. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you what. Wow. We'll, we'll read the article and tell you what, what the okay. latest is on this because okay. there is an update. There is an Palm, update. Perfect. As Palm Sunday and Easter approach, the two most sacred days on the calendar for those who follow Jesus as both God and Messiah, two members of the Knesset, that's the Israeli parliament, that'd be what we call our Congress, Introduced a bill last week that would ban any and all efforts to tell people about Jesus, and the bill would send violators to prison. Greg, they were going to try to put violators in prison up to a year. And that could be anything from texting to email to verbal. Um, Now, there's several things to say. First of all, I knew this wouldn't pass. I knew Netanyahu would strike it down. He did. He struck it down because there's too many Christian friends around the world that he knows that would cause an uproar. The press wouldn't be good. It would hurt, you know, uh, tourism. I, I mean, you can't do it. But now this gets back to two things. Number one, um, we talked about the real conservative government. For the first time, he had to pull in all the most radical. Everybody from all sides came in for, to form this government. So in so doing, you had some of the most radical people in Israel uh, for their own agenda to be a part of his government. So this is a radical thing they were trying to do. It was only two guys that proposed it or whatever. Uh, but that's part of the consequence of bringing in the having to get the radical, real radical side involved in the in in the movement. But the thing that struck me about this, Greg, uh, 
is still how much certain Jews hate Jesus. You know, it's amazing to me. It's a spiritual blinding. It tells us in Romans that they are spiritually blinded temporarily because they rejected their Messiah the first time. They are spiritually blind. And so until God reopens their eyes, which will probably happen at the Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle of Iran and Russia, until God does that, not all of them hate Jesus this much. And they didn't all hate Jesus that much when he came to the earth 2,000 years ago. But remember, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and those, there were some that hated him with all they had. This is a pure hatred for Jesus. This is not about anything else. They so hate Jesus, some of them over there, some of them, uh, that they don't want anybody to mention anything about Jesus and, and, would, and would be willing, if you said something about Jesus, would be willing to throw you in prison just like the Sanhedrin. Remember, if you say anything else in this name, right, yeah. we, will, we will throw you in prison. What are we going to do? And they said, you know what? Whether it's right to obey you or God, you figure it out. We're going to obey God. So a true believer is going to do the right thing anyway. But I just, I thought, you know what? After 2,000 years, some things never change. They just don't change. And and even when God pours his spirit out, and we're going to see the nation, a big portion of the nation, receiving the Messiah as their Lord and Savior, there's still going to be some that just hate Jesus so much. They literally want to throw people in jail. And Greg, I would say, if they could, they would want to kill them. Now, that they would never say that. But in Jesus' day, they didn't want to just throw them in jail. They wanted to kill them. I believe still today the hatred is so great, led by demonic influence, right. that it's not just about stopping the, the the spread of Jesus and putting them in prison. That's all. That's level one. Mm-hmm. But there are some that would want to kill them. Now, let me back up and say again, I do not believe this is the overall heart of the Israeli. The Jews are very kind to the Christians. They're actually very kind to the Muslims, even though they give them such a hard time. Christians don't give them a hard time, but Muslims do. But at the same time, they are very, uh, for the most part, accepting and kind of just, you know, go along with it. And I don't believe that the majority at all, that's the heart. This is a small faction of radical, like the Sanhedrin was, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And those guys are just modern-day Pharisees, Sadducees, not wanting only to put them in prison. But I think I said, I really believe if they could, they'd, they'd kill them. I believe that. Sam Ballot and Tobiah going to the king and saying, hey, you know what's going on down here? Yeah, just like days of Nehemiah. You know, it's against anything to stand against God. So this is really a spiritual battle. I'm glad it was struck down. I will say this. Um, you know, the, the, it's already, I think, illegal to try to convert somebody under 18 in Israel. That's already, I think, on the books. I think it's been that way for a long time. Yeah. Um, but you don't go to jail for it. They were trying to say, you're going to jail for a year if you do anything or whatever. And I know why they're doing this, Greg. This is a good sign. Let me tell you why it's a good sign. The church in Israel is growing and going. Well, you know, that's what more I was going to... More and more Jews are getting saved. I was going to ask you that, Pastor yes. Mark. I was going to ask you, is, is this a result of... You know, people giving their lives to the Lord or the demonic realm, knowing that the time is short and that after the rapture happens, that many Jews are going to be saved. And we know, you know, the proverbial 144,000 the Bible talks about. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be more. No, there's a lot more. That's the initial 12,000 from each tribe. Exactly. So I'm thinking, so, so I was going to ask you, can we look at this as some sort of prophetic barometer in terms of, hey, is the pressure getting, you know, greater? Are we getting closer? Yeah. Or is this just a result of an acute rise right now in people in jews coming over and recognizing their messiah is jesus yeah. and so now this is a way to counteract that i think it's probably both okay. i think what you're seeing is an initial response because more and more churches are popping up in israel more and more jews are getting saved i mean it has grown exponentially over the last few years so i think you're seeing an initial response shut these christians down don't let them share this you know, like, you know their hatred of jesus their hatred of god they're shut it down uh, but at the same time, Greg, the reason I believe it's both is because the Bible does say as we get toward the end, Satan's going to turn up the heat because he realizes his time is short. Um, the, the real turning up of the heat has not begun yet uh, because he hadn't finally been kicked out of the, you know, being able to, to go before God in heaven and all that, that whole thing yet completely. He's been kicked out of heaven, but he can still go back and make appeals and all that. That'll be stopped at some point. He can't even go back and make an appeal. That's when it's going to get really ugly. But when I look what's happening in the world. And the heat turning up worldwide in every biblical area, I do believe that also comes into play. It's like the headwinds we talk about of prophecy. Yes. I think these are the headwinds in Israel of the move of God in the nation of Israel. Mm. Now, that's exciting. It is very exciting. It's always exciting. And, we, and we've kind of experienced that here, you know, in, in our church lately. Yeah. A lot of people giving their lives to the Lord. It is so exciting. It's very exciting. So it's exciting, especially to hear that 
happening in Israel. And, and Greg, again, just to encourage our listeners out there, look, this is the time. I believe the harvest is ripe. If there's any pastors listening, you, listen, share the gospel. Uh, we're seeing people, and we're not doing anything any different. But all of a sudden, there's these just kind of a wave of salvation coming in. We've had like in the last week and a half, some like 16 people give their life to the Lord. There's been somebody get saved at every service, the last five services we've had. And I'm not saying there haven't always been people getting saved here and there or whatever. But we're seeing all of a sudden it's growing and there's kind of like this swell of people giving their life to Christ. It's not because we're doing anything different. It's not because we're, I think, even presenting the gospel more effectively. It is simply God. It is God Almighty. There's no human explanation. He's just saving people. And I believe you're going to see more and more of people getting saved the closer we get to the rapture of the church. Because his desire is to fill up the wedding the yeah. wedding hall, yeah. to fill up the table. And so we need to be vocal about it and sharing our faith with as many people as we can. It's exciting. It is very exciting. Yes, it is. All right, we've almost made it to the one world government. We're getting there. Yahoo.com is reporting that the U.S. poor the... Poor our poor country, left out as China and Iran come out on top in the latest deal with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and again, remember, we're going to see America going down. We yeah. know that in order to fit the prophetic role. Yes, we're going to see um, Iran and Russia at least temporarily rising up, and then they're going to be kind of struck down. You're going to see China's rising up right now, and there's a lot of speculation about where China fits in 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 the last days. But this is an interesting article to watch China now um, linking up more uh, aggressively with Iran because of this whole world, kind of two world systems, east and west, fighting each other for domination. That song you played is a perfect song for that. Everybody wants to rule the world. Yes. That's what they want to do. They want to rule the world under their directive uh, in, what the, in the way they think it should go. And they're starting their own currency and everything. And then, because they're trying to over, outdo the dollar, and then we're trying to hold on to the dollar. And so sure. it's interesting. But after years of hospital and frayed relations, Iran and Saudi Arabia have agreed to reestablish diplomatic ties. Again, this is amazing here, because well, I'll tell why in a moment. And reopen mutual embassies, a deal reportedly brokered by China that has raised eyebrows across the globe. Now, two things to point out. Number one, why don't Iran and Saudi Arabia get along? You might be thinking, aren't they all Muslims? Yes, but here's the explanation. Even like we have different denominations and groups in Christianity, Islam has different denominations in Islam. And one is Shia, one is Sunni. Well, Saudi Arabia, and they don't get along. They don't like each other. Uh, and Sunni, uh, that's the, the Sunnis are um, Saudi Arabia, and the Shias are Iran. And for them to come together and say, we're going to be friends, at least on paper, this is a big deal. Now, even, now let's, a larger deal behind this, because that's a big deal there. But the larger swath I don't want you to miss as I read some more of this article is, up until this point, for the last, who knows, umpteen years, America is the one brokering all these world peace deals, nations coming together, solving problems, reuniting. It's America. We've been leading the world suddenly without us even knowing it, almost like behind our back, China steps in and they act as though they're the, the world power brokering this peace deal between these guys. And Greg, here's the thing. They are becoming the world power and we are quickly fading. And that is the big picture you need to get from what's going on here. You know, we were talking before uh, the show. As a matter of fact, we were talking about a lot of great things. You all should be here before this show. You're you all invited. Really, you're all invited. We'll fit in the studio. Yeah, you would really enjoy it. Uh, but we were talking about um, just the state of our presidency. Uh, and, you know, it would appear by every bit of evidence that has been recorded for us uh, that President Biden is not necessarily... Um, altogether there in a way that would we would say is competent to serve in the role of president. Let's say his age is showing. Yeah. Again, this isn't political. It's just a statement. Yeah. His yeah. age is showing. Yeah. And my question or my observation was that it's amazing to me to have so much evidence out there and nobody is out there clamoring that for his sake and the sake of the country, he needs to be removed from office. Well, and, yeah. and, but when I look at things prophetically, if we had a strong, coherent leader in office right now, the question would be, would we see some of these things happening, like this story that we just read, point, happening? And I'm thinking, no. Yeah. So I'm thinking, and again, and I mentioned to you before, I said, this is a spiritual battle. Yeah. Because there's no way, common sense says, 
He can't. He he's not fit to he do the job. Removed. He should be even removed. If it, even if it was the vice president coming exactly. to take his place, something it should doesn't happen matter. for the state of the nation. Yeah, but Greg, that's a, such a great point. Remember, God's in control of all of it. God's allowing what's happening. Again, people from their aspect, they have their political aspirations. They're not going to remove. Of course, they're not going to remove their own guy, regardless. But you know, you nailed it. And this is interesting because this article here again uh, uh, is 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 comes out of Yahoo.com. Um, and, and what's interesting, the way they finish it, because they really sum it up in almost a biblical way. I'm going to read the, the quote, a quote here at the end. It says, that means the slow erosion of the U.S. force uh, and their posture in the region is slowly eroding. Uh, the, the U.S. is no longer the leader in the region. This agreement is a, and I quote, sign of the times. Mm. And shows that U.S. partners in the Middle East are increasingly stepping back from Washington's influence. So the Bible says America will decrease. Now, it doesn't mention America, but we know that Europe's going to increase, which means by logic, yes. America's going to decrease. Okay, we know that. They're recognizing it. They're saying it. And, Greg, we're watching it happen. America's decreasing before our very eyes, which has to happen for the last days to take place. And if you had a strong president in there, a strong leader that wouldn't put up with it, it wouldn't be happening. So, again, like you said, I think there has to be the right person to allow this process to move forward. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And we've got a vacuum in leadership. So here you go. Yeah. So we'll see more of that, I'm sure. As the signs of the times marches on. Yes. Uh, some pestilence plagues, disasters, and corruption. It's a good smorgasbord. Uh, AP Network News is reporting that last year, an estimated 43,000 died in the Somalia drought. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, we talk about Matthew 24. Yes. And you're going to see um, famines. In the last days, increasing, and I think this is a part of that. Uh, droughts lead to famine. Uh, a new report says the estimated 43,000 people again died, as you said, in the longest drought on record uh, last year. Half of them likely were children under five. That's the tragic thing to me. You hate to see anything, but especially these children suffering. And they say the current crisis is far from over, says the report released Monday by the World Health Organization and the United Nations Children's Agency and carried out by the London School of Hygiene and uh, Tropical Medicine. Somalia and neighboring Ethiopia and Kenya are facing the sixth consecutive failed rainy season while rising global food prices and uh, and the war in Ukraine complicate the hunger crisis. Now, this is such a multifaceted. Let's take a moment, Greg, on this before we move on, because, again, uh, the first thing I want you to note is, you know, we've always talked about this. I, I always imagined all these plagues and famines would all just be nature. You know, the earth, Romans 822, the right. earth groaning for the return of the Lord. What we're learning is, yeah. Some of it, but some of it is us. Mankind's doing it. We are actually, on purpose, depleting the world's food supply. And how can I say that? Look at what's going on over in, in the Danish part of the world right now. Because of the World Economic Forum, they're trying to, to do things worldwide for power position. And one of them is to close down farms. They're doing it not just there, but around the globe in different areas. And the leaders that are going along with the World Economic Forum are doing it. There are more protests going on right now, even greater protests in, 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 um, in, in the Danish, among the Danish people. They shut down just overnight 3,000 farms. I mean, this is a food supply. We see the destruction happening in Ukraine of the food supply. There are some things that are happening that are intentional. And it's going to lead to intentional famine. Now, only God knows all the reasons. I know that it's demonic. I know that a lot of it's spiritual. But my point is, I never thought that we would see the world creating famine. I thought it would be things like this. There's a drought. You can't eat. And that's all there. And that's true. But what's astounded me or really opened my eyes to a whole new part of spiritual warfare is, is to watch these world leaders causing famine as well. And only God knows their true motivations. But it's certainly for position and power and getting ready for the Antichrist. We know that from the Bible and, and spiritual approach yeah. on that. But, Greg, I never dreamed this would be the case uh, of man creating this. But they are. Well, it not just highlights the spiritual battle, but it highlights First John 5.19. Those that are not in Christ Jesus are under the sway of the enemy. Because, Pastor Mark, what human being? God has designed us for life. Right. To live. He's instilled within us that will to live. Yeah. That comes from him. Yeah. To purposefully do things that 
would take out life on a mass scale, cause suffering on a mass scale, is not within the human condition as God designed it. Exactly. But is within the human condition that is being possessed or oppressed by demonic influences, which is what we see these world leaders are under. Uh, the mantra of of decreasing the world's population and population control, that's all from the mouths of Satan, because if you've read God's Word, you know that God clearly is all about creating life, multiplying life, right. diversity of right. life it, in the animal kingdom and whatever. I mean, if you ever just take, and I'm sorry, I'm getting on a rail here, but if you ever take the time just to study uh, you know, botany or uh, the animal kingdom, uh, you know, just anything. God doesn't just make one of something. Yeah. He makes untold variations of all sorts of stuff. Yeah. He loves variety. He loves living. And these people clearly are counter yeah. to what God says he's all about. Whatever God says, Satan always says the opposite. Exactly. Greg. And so God's for life, Satan's against life. Yeah. I guess that's why you see those who know the Lord fighting against abortion and those who don't know the Lord fighting for abortion. It's 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 a spiritual truth. It's light and darkness. Um, and so, yeah, you're going to see, you know, and, and again, they've come out and said they want to reduce the world's population. They've come out and said it. Yeah. Um, again, one billion seems to be the kind of the, the, the number that a lot of them use in that particular, in the world. And we're over form. six right now, but we're close to eight. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, eight, yeah. Eight, wow. but, but here's the thing. Um, there are some within that whole, that field there that said they'd like to see it as low as 500 million on the earth. So you're talking about anywhere from the low end of 500 million to a billion, and we're close to eight. You're talking about taking out seven, six and a half to seven billion people is their goal, and they're stating it. Now, they're not coming out and saying, we're going to kill all these people at once. What they're saying is, is we want to just let everybody die out. Slowly starve yeah, to let, death. Well, well, they're not saying that either. What they're saying is, let that population die and just don't reproduce. Everybody, you know, use birth control device, whatever. But what's happening, Greg, is they're doing things that are not just letting people naturally die to lower the Earth's population. They are influencing the death of mankind, actually pushing famines and all kinds of things. And they've come out and said what they're doing. It's astounding to me they can be so open about it. And a lot of people just don't pay any attention. It shocks me. Well, and that's part of the spiritual battle and blindness, too. But it makes me think about one of the side effects from all of this uh uh, jabbing that's been going on around the world, yeah. which is the 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 noted documented sterility. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a whole other topic. But again, that's but, no, part but, of but it. it's but it's you're but right, it's tied right. into population control. You're right. You're seeing you're seeing kind of mass sterilization that's happening again from these shots. Uh, Israel's reporting that. We're reporting that here in America, not as much, but in Israel, other countries. Uh, because the effect it's having. So that's true. And I, Greg, I think all of this. How much do they know, and how much is Satan running? I can't say for sure. Satan knows it all. He knows what he's doing. Yes. But they've admitted they want to reduce the Earth's population. So there is a level. And they're coming out and saying, if go watch the World Economic yeah. Forum videos. Yeah. Look, we're not, we're not making yeah. this stuff up. They're being very open. You know, I, I find that when evil gets on the move, Greg, oftentimes they're very open about it. When, when, when Hitler started moving forward, he wrote a book talking about wanting to do away with the Jews and, and, and the pure, you know, line and all this kind of stuff. And everybody watched it happen. It's amazing to me. Well, the same thing's happening again. Now, another thing before we leave this article, you know, war or famine, uh, things that are that cause catastrophes can push nations into war as well. It, in other words, when you mm. get desperate, yes. you do whatever you need to do to survive. Right. I find it interesting. It says here that Somalia, Ethiopia, and Kenya, they're the ones where this is happening. Um, it, that region right there, that's the region that joins up with, with Russia, with Libya and Russia and Turkey in this invasion. And you wonder, is, is part of their desperation going to be how, how Russia and Iran will pull them into the battle and say, look, we see you down there starving. We see you suffering for resources. We'll feed you, but we need your help. Join with us wiping out Israel, and you can have their resources. Mm. You can supply for your people. Very we'll share good. the oil, yes. the gas. We'll do whatever. And yes. I can see them going, okay, we're in. Yes. We'll make this war pact. And boom, God says, yeah. oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm yeah. God. You upset me. You're done for now. <laughs> yeah. And so it's going to be amazing. So, I again, you have to learn to read between the lines of these right. articles and kind of see the uh, prophetic behind the scenes. Yeah. Now, that was 
concerning Matthew 24. This next article, Pastor Mark, you wrote down concerning Romans 8.22. This is from CNN. And I guess things that you never thought you would see, uh, you know, in Southern California. First of all, we've seen uh, tons of rain, lots of snow, and now tornadoes. Yeah. According to hitting the Los Angeles area. Actually, I think the town of Montebello is the town. But anyway. Yeah. And a couple of comments I want to make about this. First of all, how many times have you heard about a tornado hitting L.A.? It's funny. There's a movie out about that. Oh, is there really? With multiple tornadoes hitting LA came out a couple of years ago and it was um, I I forget whether or not it was government induced tornadoes in the movie where they use they they manipulated nature or whether it's supposed to have something to do with climate change I forget the reason but either way, let me read some of this article okay. and then touch on a couple things. At least one person was injured after a rare tornado hit a city just southeast of Los Angeles Wednesday. The National Weather Service confirmed the tornado briefly touched down in an industrial park and warehouse district in the city of Montebello. Uh, and raided the tornado in EF1 with estimated peak winds of 110. The strongest tornado to hit the Los Angeles area since 1983. And see, to me, I didn't know one had ever hit there. So to, to know that it's the strongest since 1983. So it's not unheard of. It's just rare. And again, they say tornadoes are rare in California with fewer than 10 per year on average. According to the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, most tornadoes in the state are small and short-lived. Now, a couple of comments. Romans 8.28 is, yes, uh, the earth will be groaning in the last days. 8.22, I'm sorry, 8.22 is going to be groaning in the last days. That could be this, and we're going to see strange things happening because the earth groaning for the return of the Lord. However, yes, there have been rumors for years that a lot of people, you know, oh, that's conspiracy stuff. But as we said, it takes about (laughs) six months for it to become reality anymore, it seems like, um, saying that somehow you could manipulate the weather and make certain things happen. Well, China now is bragging that they can do that. They're, they're bragging about making rain and sunshine when they do events in certain parts of China because of what they're releasing up in the clouds and the air. And they're bragging about it. It's, I mean, this is open. Nobody's hiding it. So we now see government does has the ability to manipulate nature to a degree, uh, at least at the moment, with the what's, with whatever's right there to work with. How they do it, I don't fully understand it. It's a new science to me. I was just reading the article about it, and it was just curious to me to see that China's actually bragging, hey, we're going to make sure the sunshine is shining or the clouds, you know, whatever, and here's what we're doing. And they talked about it, actually dropping something and manipulating the clouds. or Anyway, so that now is being openly spoken of. It's not no longer a conspiracy it's just kind of hey they're kind of patting themselves on the back (laughs) look how great we are we can actually (laughs) manipulate the weather why do i say that now that we know that they're admitting they do have a certain at least limited ability to manipulate uh, weather to some degree might it be down the road i'm not saying this one but might it be down the road they would begin to experiment with certain things in certain areas that are unusual to try to convince the world oh look climate change really is having an effect we had a tornado in Los Angeles. When does that happen? We need to do something now. Pass this bill. Get this. I'm saying, Greg, in the wrong hands, right. this kind of technology could be used to right. advance a political right. agenda. And it's no longer science fiction. It's no longer conspiracy. It's literally being bragged about by yeah. China. And if China has that technology, I know we do. There's no way that China's over there manipulating their weather, and we're not. So, And I'm not talking about chemtrails and all that with the jets. I'm right. talking about something separate. I'm talking about where that, a plane goes up, for example, fly over Knoxville, could disperse something that would create an, uh, you know, a, a dissipation maybe of the moisture of the clouds, and you have a sunny day rather than a rainy one. You know, in one way, you go, that's cool technology. In another way, if that's in the wrong hands and can be manipulated at the moment, if you can cause some type of disturbance, for example, that would create a tornadic type atmosphere right. and do it in a place where they normally don't happen, then you can have your argument, look, climate change is really, even now in Los Angeles, we're having, you know, tornadoes. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is like, if you didn't understand the science behind it, you think there's no way, but it literally now is at a place where they can do certain things. So th- I find this article interesting. Do you think, Pastor Mark, that it could be a group of evil meteorologists that are tired of their low predictive success rate on telling us what the forecast will be? You never know. And they're going to try to manipulate things so their forecast is 100% accurate? I said it's going to rain. It's going to rain. Get in that plane. Nobody gets hurt. (laughs) Start releasing these bags of seed in the air, and we will have rain. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, You know, again, I don't think the technology is to a place where they can truly totally manipulate the weather, Uh, but there does seem to be some things that can be done that that do have an influence, Greg, in God's, kind of God's allowing it. For, he is. He is. And it's, it's very interesting yeah. and very intriguing. That's Pastor Mark Kirk, who's helping us make sense of the signs of the times. Our weekly take on Bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville. A weekly broadcast that we've tagged as podcast number 256. Available through all of your popular podcast outlets. You've got me. 
Time for our listener question. Pastor Mark comes from Stacy, and she's asking about Christian holidays. She says, what is your opinion on Christmas and Easter being called pagan holidays originated from the Catholic Church? I am praying for wisdom and discernment in these extraordinary times. His word says there will be deception in the latter days, and we're clearly a nation starving for truth. Thank yeah. you for all you're doing to grow God's kingdom. So, Yeah, you know, again, what a great question. And this is one that I know is going to be across the board for a lot of people. I don't know if we have this, Greg, on our fact page or not, but if we don't, I need to do one on this because this okay, comes yeah. up on a regular basis around the holidays. And I'll, I'll, we'll make that available if it's not there, but this would be good for Put everybody Put on our FAQ hear. page. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's where you can go and check out that page. And if there's questions that you have like this, a lot of times as they come up and they're more common, we list them on there to give you an initial answer, at least to give you some direction. This is something I think that every believer um, should struggle with at some point, and I think has struggled with, but I think there's a balance to this. And I want to give both sides and tell you where I fall and have found peace uh, in these areas um, where I'm not disturbed uh, celebrating these things, and yet at the same time, let me start up by saying, indeed, both Christmas and Easter did come from pagan holidays. Let me explain what they were, uh, and then explain why I don't have a problem with them now. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I want to participate in them. I have peace in my heart based on some scripture that I'm going to share here in just a moment. Um, Christmas, again, came from um, a holiday known as Saturnalia, which was a, a the winter solstice. There's a, there's a, a December 25th is the changeover of the length of when the winter solstice takes place and the, the length of days and you go into winter and this whole kind of changeover takes place right then. And it was actually worshipped in that day as a, as a day of, I guess, the gods or some god, you know, would come in. Uh, Saturnalia uh, was worshipped at that time and believed that it had something to do with it. And so they would worship Saturnalia uh, at you know, Christmas time, what we call Christmas time now. And they have the Yule log. A lot of these things have pagan backgrounds to them. And again, some of these things I don't participate in. For example, looking at some of the roots of the Yule log and all that. But anyway, anyway, it was to celebrate the winter solstice and the changeover of winter and the longest day of the year and all that. And it starts changing and, and going the other direction. And and so they would worship. Though what the Catholic Church did was they said, "Hey, we're going to take this and we're going to turn it from something where they celebrate this because it was in the days of Rome, and they didn't want to get do away with the Roman holiday." The church became popular. Matter of fact, in the three hundreds uh, A.D., uh, the the church became the number one religion in the Roman Empire. Constantine making it that from a vision he saw. He said he saw a cross in the heavens, and God said, "Conquer in this sign." He goes and conquers and becomes the emperor, if you will, of Rome and during that time. So he made Christianity now not the enemy. It became, rather than sacrificing Christians in all these, uh, you know, uh, cathedrals and all that, it became the state religion. Well, there's the state religion and the birth of the Catholic Church and all these things that are happening. And they're like, well, we don't want to do away with everybody's holidays, right? Because they're going to be mad at us. So let's just change them. So, again, not good motivation, but I'll explain where this has led to. Sure. So they changed them. And instead of Saturnalia, it became Christmas. We'll celebrate Jesus is, you know, birth, et cetera, and rather than that. But it is a it was a pagan holiday. That has changed it over. Well then we come to Easter. Uh Easter comes from uh, a goddess by the name of Ishtar. And Ishtar was supposedly um um this this goddess that had this virgin born son um uh, that that died and resurrected in the spring and they would celebrate it because of, of it was a Ishtar was a fertility goddess. And so because of the fertility of rabbits, they would celebrate it with eggs. And they'd bring eggs out, you know, and this kind of thing. And they'd say, here's these eggs. They would color the eggs to make it a celebration type thing. And you had these colored eggs that were celebrating the fertility of Ishtar. And the bunnies were the Ishtar bunnies. Um, and you have, of course, this whole, now we get the word Easter, really links back to the word Ishtar, that God. So even the name of, of uh, you know, at least Christmas has Christ's name in it. Easter literally comes from Ishtar, this goddess um, that was celebrated there in the spring at that time. So both of them, yes, have pagan roots, and 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 I think there are certain things. For example, we don't look. I don't. I don't. I don't chase people down and, and attack them for you know try to take their Easter eggs from them. But we, you know we never did use that in our family. We you only did that as a kid. Yeah, and we and we don't do them here at the church. Not because I think that anybody that does an Easter egg is going to hell or whatever. I, just because as a pastor, you know, you, I know too much, you know, and I I realize where it came from and all that. So we leave certain things. I, I just stay away from certain aspects of things because I just don't want to intermingle you know, in too, too much in the wrong direction. I'll leave it at that. And with that said, um, why is it then if Christmas has this 
pagan background, and Easter, Ishtar, has this pagan background as well. Why is it okay to convert them to something that Christians worship, and, and, and it's not wrong before God? Again, I can't speak for you. You've got to come to your own peace before God in this. I do think there are certain aspects we could introduce. For example, if we brought the Yule log in at Christmas or uh, some would argue the Easter egg at Easter, whatever. Again, I'm not going to go too much on that. My point is, if we, if, we, if we really celebrate it the same paganized way, I think there can be some issues. However, with that said... Um, in my searching of this, Stacy, and, and saying, God, you know, what do I do with this? I mean, I want to, I don't want to just go along because I'm supposed to, and I don't want to, I don't want to not say something because it, everybody loves these holidays. I mean, how can I please you? What would you have me do? And, and I personally believe that God led me to the book of Esther. And when you read the book of Esther, you see that Haman, the wicked Haman, uh, went to Xerxes the king, who was the, you know, Esther was married to when she was the queen or whatever. He hated the Jews, inspired by demonic influence. He wanted to wipe out all the Jews. And so he went to Xerxes and said, hey, let's kill all the Jews off. That They're not loyal to you. We don't like them. Uh, let's set a day, let's set this day aside, a day for evil, a day we can go and wipe out all the Jews and destroy them. And of course, you know the story. Um, uh, you know, Mordecai heard about it, and Mordecai was mortified. And, of course, he was the uncle and stand-in father for Esther because her parents had died. We don't know the story, the full story behind that. But she loved Mordecai, and she honored him as her dad. She respected him and came under his authority, even though she was the queen. And so he sent a message to her and said, hey, look, a day has been set aside for evil. It's something demonic. It's something satanic. It's something against God. He wants to wipe out all the Jews, you know, God's people, and you need to fight against it. If you don't go to the king and say something, then you're going to be responsible. And she's like, I can't do this. Nobody goes before the king, and you, you couldn't go before the king unless you were invited. Even the queen couldn't. And if you went before the king and you weren't invited, everybody watched whether or not he would raise the golden scepter. If you raised the golden scepter, that means, okay, you can live. If he didn't, they put you to death because you interrupted the king, and you had no right to go before him. So it was a fearful thing. And that's why Esther said, okay, I'll pray about it. She fasted three days. She prayed. Uh, she realized, he said, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And who knows, maybe you're there for such a time as this. And that famous verse that is so powerful. Yes. So she prayed. She went before the king. He raised the golden scepter. He loved Esther. He said, what can I do for you? You know, my beautiful bride, you know. And so she does these two different meals. And she reveals the second meal before the king and Haman. She goes, this wicked Haman has set aside a day for wickedness to wipe out the Jews and all this kind of thing. Um, and he intended it for evil against us or whatever. And so, so they kill Haman because he's done that. And, um, Haman becomes hangman <laughs> yes, and uh, on does. his own gallows, he's put to death. Yes. Uh, and so then, the, but the king had already passed the decree that day was set aside as a day of, of darkness and wickedness to wipe out the Jews. And she said, could you change it? He said, I can't. The, 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 the law says that, you know, that we can't do that. It can't be changed. The law of the Medes and the person can't change it. So, but I can add one to it. So I'm going to do is I'm going to add a new law to it and say, all right, we can't change the fact that this day was set aside for evil, but I can add now that it can be used for good. Uh, Jews, you're allowed to defend yourselves. I make the decree that any Jew, if somebody comes after them on that day, obeying that law, I give a new law where they can fight against it and kill you if you try to kill them. So the Jews banded together. People tried to kill them. They defended themselves and they wiped out the enemies of the Jews. And what happened was is that the, the Jews enemies got wiped out rather than the Jews getting wiped out. And a day that was intended for evil by Satan was turned into a day that was celebration by God where they actually started out, they started giving gifts, and they still celebrate it every year. It's called Purim. And that day that was, I think, at the instruction of Satan, designed by Satan, put in place by Satan as a day for evil, God turned it around and made it a day for God and a day for good and a day for God's people. That's how I see Christmas and Easter. Yes, they were pagan holidays in their roots. However, the Christians said, you know what? We're not going to worship those pagan gods. We're going to take a day that was intended for evil, and we're going to make it a day of worship unto Jesus Christ and celebrate his birth, even though we all know he wasn't born there on that day and wasn't born in the winter. There's a lot of reasons we could talk about for that. But we know that didn't happen and couldn't happen, and so et cetera. Same thing with Easter, although this was, you know, the Ishtar bunny and the, and the Ishtar eggs and the whole thing with this fertility and the goddess. All, we're going to change it and we're going to make it something for Jesus and we're going to celebrate his resurrection on this day um, because he did celebrate. He resurrected there and we celebrate, you know, when the Lord rose from the dead and then we call it that name. But it's a day intended for evil that we turn to celebrate a day for good. So for me, all those they have, the, they have that root of evil by the enemy. Even as Haman had a root of a day set aside for evil by the enemy, God saw that, 
God turned it for a day and good, and now we celebrate it to give God honor rather than the enemy celebrating it for the demonic realm. So I personally, as long as you don't pull too much of the pagan roots into it, if you leave the pagan stuff out, I personally don't have a problem celebrating Christmas and Easter. And, you know, we, we call it Resurrection Sunday, but we still refer to it as Easter because nobody you know really knows what you're talking about. They can figure it out. But 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 we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and, and use it as a day for God's glory. So that is my conviction. And I have peace in that. Stacy, you have to come to your own conviction. You, you know, and I would tell anybody listening to this, just because I say that I have worked out where I believe God led me and I have peace in these, it doesn't mean that you do. And you're never to violate your conscience. And the Bible warns, if you violate your personal conscience to you, it is sin. But if I, with a good conscience, feel justified that God has turned this around to something to be glorifying to him, then I can have peace before God, and it's not sin before God. So everybody's got to come to their own. And I would say, don't do it because somebody tells you. You pray, you come to your own convictions based on what you believe, but that's where God, I believe, that's where I believe I was led. You know, this really highlights, Pastor Mark, why God was so adamant, uh, especially as we read in the Old Testament so many times, you know, the admonition to the Jews that he gave them, no matter what culture you find yourself living in, don't succumb to that culture to the point where you end up worshiping their gods right. and you stop worshiping me. Right. And and this just highlights you know when 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 we can appreciate how the culture in our society today is infecting or affecting people. Right. That they end up doing things or thinking in ways that they would in their right mind would normally never think like that. Right. Or be like that, or behave like that, right? And now we can we can really appreciate why God was so adamant with the Jews: don't do these things. That's right. That's right. And this is a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So hopefully that's helpful. Yes. All right. Uh, if you've got a question, like Stacy, we invite you to go to uh, the Signs of the Time section of thewaymedia.net. You'll see where you can ask your prophecy question, and you can also see the frequently asked questions section that Pastor Mark talked about where you can read those FAQs and we'll get something out there regarding uh, this question as well. Um, So look forward to that in a future episode. All right, let's uh, talk about the church. This is from ChristianPost.com. Hillsong Church operated a lucrative honorarium scheme Pastor Mark, if you can explain for people what an honorarium is and what it's used for in the church and how this was apparently abused. Yeah, let me just say, look, there's always abuses. It's sadder when there's abuses in the church. uh, But, you know, just because it's the church doesn't mean it's not filled with sinners. And and, in one way I go, you know, hey, should we even, uh, you know, point this out just because the enemy uses so many things to attack the church? And I don't want to in any way encourage that. But at the same time, it is out there among the Christian community, and it's mostly the Christian community listening to the show. So to give you a little bit of explanation, I've heard about this for a few years. I knew this was going on. Um, uh, and let, let me read some of it, and then I'll explain to you what was happening. Hillsong Church operated an honorarium scheme. Honorarium is when you go and speak somewhere, and they give you a check you know, to cover your expenses and maybe to bless you and give you more than that just because they're, they're, just, they're just blessing you for coming and blessing them. And so the church can do that and give you, a, you know, some money or whatever, but, you know, not, not just to cover your expenses, but even to say, hey, here's some extra money as an honorarium to honor you because you came and ministered to us. Nothing wrong in that, even in God's eyes, but the way they did it was wrong. Uh, Hillsong Church operated an honorarium scheme that netted as much as a million dollars in additional and sometimes tax-free income for celebrity preachers worldwide, including founders Brian Houston and his wife, Bobby, uh, and famous author and evangelist Christine Kane, a new uh, a new whistleblower report, alleges in an address to parishioners on Sunday about a report accusing Hillsong leaders of money laundering, tax evasion, and shopping sprees that would embarrass a Kardashian, including the alleged honorarium scheme, <laughs> Phil Dooley, the megachurch's global senior pastor, who, who has been implicated as a small fry participant, denied being a part of any scheme announced and announced changes to their honorarium policy. Megachurch celebrity pastors can earn over $1 million per year from this scam, the report said, uh, again, by Andrew Wilkie. Uh, an independent member of the Australian Parliament who branded Brian and Bobby Houston and Christine Kane as some of the OGs of the abuse of the church funds. Now, let me talk about what's going on here. Like I said, there's nothing wrong in an honorarium 
that's that's just uh, that's church tradition. It's any tradition. People do that when you have speakers that go to UT or speakers that go speak somewhere, even the church. They give them a little something, and say, "We love you. Thank you for coming. What a blessing to have you." I think that's I think that's good. I think you should do that. Um, the problem is, Greg, is that what happened is for those that are really in it for the money. They learned a way to abuse it. And you always have those that abuse things. Uh, and, and, and I heard about this a couple of years ago. I had another Calvary Chapel pastor say, you're not going to believe what these guys are doing. Not in the Calvary movement, but in some of these other movements. He said, what they'll do is, is they will invite their friend to come speak at their church and they'll give them an exorbitant, I mean, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 honorarium. Wow. Yeah. And, and then it's kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. Hey, why don't you come to my church and speak? I'd love to brother. Then they go speak there, and they and then they give it in return. They give them a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar honorarium, and basically they're stealing from God. They're, yeah, and they're stealing from God's people. Yeah, they're abusing the church money by giving an exorbitant honorarium. Look, you give somebody you know a few hundred dollars, great, praise the Lord, that's great. You give you know whatever, you give them fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars to come and speak for thirty minutes uh, a couple of times on Sunday. Something's something's going on here, and and so it's it's an abuse, and and so what happened was is that they found a way to be able to invite each other to their churches in a regular circuit, and they could rack up just loads of money, uh, you know, if do it in cash, don't declare it, tax free. I've got a new boat, new yacht, new home. Uh, it's it's just wrong, and here's the thing I'll say. I don't want to give more ammo to the enemy to spend more time on this than we should. But here's the bottom line. And I would encourage all the pastors out there and all the uh, church leadership that's listening. Look, if you never do anything that brings question on the ministry, you can never have the ministry attacked and, 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 and brought down this way. In other words, just do everything above board. Um, and I'll use the word board with a capital B. Um, you know, for example, all the things that we do here, you know, our staff and all the salaries, I have nothing to do with any of that. Everything that's done financially here is done by a board of people in the church and outside the church. It's evaluated. It has board minutes, board notes. Um, you know, any kind of, if another church does an honorarium, that's between them and the Lord, but I've never had some church give me that kind of honorarium, you know, and, and, and certainly I wouldn't ever, you know, if that happened, I would say something's wrong here. Uh, but the point is, is that do everything above board. The last thing we need to be doing in the last days is giving the enemy opportunity to blaspheme the name of God. So it's sad. I happen to know these things were happening, and they're true. There's nothing you could do about it. It's just kind of the way it was. Until so, and I don't know if there's anything to do about it now. Uh, we'll see what happens if they you know, do anything about this. But it just, again, shows me, you know, the Bible, a lot of people, Greg, are into ministry for the money. They're not really in it because they love God. They're in it for the money. And if you're in it for the money, you've got the wrong heart already. And some people actually find it a way. The Bible talks about there are those who find it a way to advance themselves financially. And it's sad. It's really sad. But at the same time, it's the world we live in. But we need to stay away from it as believers and guard ourselves and make sure that we're not a part of it. Well, let's talk about the spiritual condition for a minute, Pastor Mark, because, you know, the Bible doesn't prohibit somebody from... um, you know, making a lot of money and being successful. And, exactly. And, and, and God uses a lot of uh, God-loving people that have been very successful uh, because they, you know, give back to the work of the kingdom. And we know the scriptural principle that you can't outgive God. God will be a debtor to no man. Right. So you 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 can't give and then think that God's going to owe you. Yeah. He he won't do that. That's not how he operates. But in light of people that put themselves in the position of the pastorate, put them in the put themselves in the position of clergy, put themselves in a position where they have the potential uh, of spiritual authority in God's economy, so right. to speak, and they do these types of things. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Their conscience being seared with a hot iron? Is this more? Uh, uh, is this more Second Timothy chapter three uh, stuff that's happening? Uh, where is the fear of God yeah. in terms of you know when in James says not let many of you become teachers because you'll be held to a higher account? Right. Higher regard. Uh, where? where how, what do you? What do you think about all? I this? think it's a modern day Judas. Uh, you know, Judas was taking money on a regular basis from the from the the till, and he betrayed the Lord for money. And I think what you're seeing is these leaders are betraying the Lord for money. I mean, they're betraying, they're, 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 they're misrepresenting and betraying. It's just greed. It's human flesh. And again, you know, so here's the thing, Greg. 
if a church wants to give somebody that, they there's can. no fear. Technically, if the church wants to give somebody money like that, they can. Technically, whatever. But what, what I think the issue here is is that nobody's reporting it to the IRS. You know, you, you, it's. I'm not saying this. This is wrong. But I'm saying it wasn't even being reported. So it's 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 like tax evasion. Right. It's one thing like like, you know, these uh, very famous people, they make money after they're done for whatever they're being famous for, whether it's yeah. sports or yeah. whatever. And they go on speaking tours, speaking engagements, and you can hire them. You can pay for them to come and speak at your event, mm-hmm. even in Christian circles. Right. I mean, we could hire Tim Tebow to sure. come and speak at our church sure. and he's going to charge money. Yeah. And there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that. We right. can we can debate. You know the 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 amount and value, but doing something like that up front is above board in the fact that there are terms, there are taxes being paid. Yeah. You're not ripping anyone off in the sense of in a covert way. Yeah, you're talking about false teachers here, Greg. In the signs of the times context, the Bible talks about those who see the ministry as a means of gain, and so I think you're seeing here just kind of a, a, a really uh, just they see it as a means of gain. These I don't see these as real shepherds, honestly. I see them as as um, as, yeah, as, wolves. as wolves because they're fleecing the flock and they're being dishonest. Anyway, I, I, like yeah. I, said, I don't want to go on too long about that. Sure. I think the, it, it opens up more opportunity for the enemy. But the bottom line is, is that it's a reminder to us: never do anything that can cause reproach to the cause of Christ. Yeah. Amen. All right, our last article of the day is some good news. We can yes. always use absolutely good news. And actually, this is good news. Yes. Uh, Israel National News reporting on former baseball star Daryl Strawberry. We've talked about him before on this broadcast. Yes. It says he is now an evangelical preacher promoting Israel. Yeah, which is two things. I want to talk about yeah. the good news aspect, but also okay. this whole connection to Israel. I'm glad we have some time left here. We've done it a lot, but I, yeah. I wanted to kind of talk a minute sure. about this. As a part of his journey after a tumultuous decade and a half in the spotlight, former New York Mets star Daryl Strawberry spoke at a pro-Israel event last week in his second career as an evangelical minister. Strawberry, an eight-time Major League Baseball all-star turned traveling preacher, was a panelist last Thursday at Extending the Branches of Zionism, an event taking place in New York City and organized by the Jewish National Fund USA, focused on the support for Israel among non-Jews. And I quote, I think the most important thing is, as a non-Jewish person, you have to be able to educate them about Israel, Starbay told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency uh, on a Zoom call. I think in this country, a lot of people uh, talk about Israel and talk about the Jewish people, but they've never been there, so they don't even have a clue. Many also believe that the modern state of Israel is a fulfillment of God's promise to give the land to the Jewish people, and in fact, it is. Christian Zionist movements such as Christians United for Israel, a group that claims about 11 million members, have played a significant role in a Republican Party's strong support for Israel. And I quote, I keep it separated from politics, Strawberry said about his Israel advocacy. I know what it's about. It's about the people. It's about the culture there. That's what I know. And nobody else can tell me any different. Now, this is interesting to me. Yes, it, you know, it's, it's neat to see Daryl Strawberry and how God's turned his life around, how he's now a pastor from the mess that he was in, and now he's, uh, you know, preaching the gospel for Jesus Christ. But it brings the whole issue up here, Greg, this becoming more prominent and will become more prominent in the last days, and that is what does the Christian do with the Jew? What does the Christian mm. do with Israel? Now, the Bible clearly says we're to support them, and I'll get to more of that in a moment, but there's a real movement right now, Greg, of anti-Israeli sentiment. I've brought this up a couple of times in the show in the past, and I've just mentioned, I listen to a lot of different broadcasts and do a lot of different things as I, as I prep and I prepare and all that. And there are some out there that are even, you claim to be Christian, you know, commentators and shows or whatever. And I'm noticing kind of an anti-Israel bias coming in more blatantly. And where the enemy is confusing them and where he's using it is they're looking at them politically and they're looking at the mistakes they're making as humans. If you look at the Jews in humanity and politically, there's a lot of criticism, even as there will be of America, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Britain, you name the country. There's going to be a lot of that because we're sinners and we're fallen. But for the Christian, we cannot have that viewpoint. Our viewpoint at looking at the nation of Israel, which I commend commend a a, a strawberry for, Daryl Strawberry, is he's not looking at it politically. He's looking at it biblically. And that's where I want to separate the politics from the Bible. I'm hearing Christians now starting to look politically at Israel 
and saying, look what they've done. They're unfair. They're doing this politically. They're doing that. They're not doing this. They're wrong before God. Of course they're wrong before God. They don't know God. They reject God as a nation. For crying out loud, one of the first articles, we had two Knesset members wanting to put people in jail for sharing the gospel. So is Israel's heart right? No. No. Israel's heart is not right. But we don't love and support Israel because their heart is right. We don't love and support Israel because their politics are right. We love and support Israel because our God in heaven said, are you my child? Yes, I am. Then you love and support Israel. Okay, I will. Why, Lord? Because I said in Genesis 12, 3, those who bless Israel, I will bless. And those who curse Israel, I will curse. Now, if you look it up, he says, those who bless you, I'll bless. And those who curse you. How do I know he's talking about Israel? Because later he identifies who he's talking to by the descendants coming through Jacob to the nation of Israel, which is where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. So what God is saying is, if you support Israel and bless them, I will bless you. If you curse Israel, I will curse you. It holds all the way through the Bible. It's consistent all the way through the Bible. Paul talks about it and says, is God through with Israel there in Romans? He says, God forbid he's not through. He said, I'm a, I'm a Jew. And, you know, and, and so God's still working. And then we see that God says he's going to pour his spirit out in the last days in Zechariah. Uh, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, in Revelation, God says, I'm pouring out my spirit in the last days on the nation of Israel. And God says, those who stand with Israel simply because I asked them to, not because of where they stand politically, not because whether they're nice or mean, not whether they reject or accept my Messiah. If you do what I've asked you to do as my kids, I'm going to bless you because you're, you're, you're obeying me and I'm going to bless Israel in the last days. So what Daryl Strawberry has, has tapped into is, is the spirit of God saying, look, Forget about anything else. Support them because God says support them. So for those of you that are out there thinking that you can't support Israel because they're doing all these terrible things or whatever, and I don't even know if all these terrible things are doing, I'm not trying to bring something up. I'm saying that's not the point. Yeah. You're missing the point. We are to support Israel. We don't support what, if they do something wrong, we don't support what they did that's wrong. Let me right. make that clear. Right. But we support them as a people because God said to do it. And God says, if you do that, I will bless you. For the time that we have left, Pastor Mark, why don't you explain for those people that might have been struggling with this whole issue here, explaining them, explain to them beyond God's commandment that we're to do it regardless of what they're doing. Can you explain to them how the disobedience of the Jews opened up our adoption? That's right. Well, God says, you know, they, they rejected me. And so God says they, they, they've been cut off, but we've been grafted into the tree of life. And so, you know, it's not that God was saving Gentiles already, but he really opened up the door through the birth of the church by the rejection. Paul says, hey, because of their rejection, the blessing came to you. He said, but don't boast in that. Yes. He said, remember, you're a branch grafted in. They are the roots. And my promises go back to the nation of Israel, the root of Abraham. And so you just be glad you're grafted in. It's a privilege to be a part of it. But don't, you know, don't think because of that that somehow you're, you're better. I think we yeah. have a danger, Greg, of acting yeah. superior. We're now, look, the church did not replace Israel. We should be grateful. Israel is Israel and God will fulfill his promises. The church is the church and God will fulfill his promises. And we will all be one happy family in the kingdom when Jesus makes it right. The question is, are you a part of that family? And you say, well, how do I become a part of that family? Listen, if God has moved in your heart, even right there listening to this broadcast, and you know you need God, you don't know God, you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never made that commitment. The Bible says that Jesus died for you on a cross. He let his blood spill out to pay for the, your sins and all the sins of those who would come to him. And if you will simply do this, go and say, Lord, I believe you died for me on that cross. I believe your blood takes my sin away. Lord, I repent that as I turn from my sin and turn away, and I choose to give my life to you and follow you, the Bible says if you do that, you'll be born a second time, not just physically, but now spiritually. That's where the terminology born again comes from. You'll be born again, and you will inherit the kingdom of God, and you'll be united not only in the bride, but with the Jews and the restoration of God's relationship to Israel forever in the kingdom of God. So you're invited in, you're welcome in, and we'd love to see you do that. Pray that prayer if you do that. Call us here at Calvary Chapel Knox. So let us know. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you get started in your walk. But again, I hope you'll make that decision today because the Lord is coming back soon. And, mm. and we're going to be rejoicing together as one big happy family for all those who come under the banner of Jesus Christ. Yes, we will. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Folks, thanks for listening. Don't forget that all of the articles that we talk about are yours to read. And you can click on the links in those articles to take you back to the original sources on the Internet where we retrieve those articles. 
so you can see that we're not making this stuff up. <laughs> we possibly cannot. We don't have the time for it. <laughs> and we also uh, reference the scripture verses that these articles are talking about, because we're always tying back the news articles to God's prophecy to show us where we are at in the end times. And we believe, based on God's word and the world's news, we are in the latter days, the end of the last days. So right. the time is precious, and uh, it's time to redeem the time. Amen. And uh, be about our Father's business no Amen. matter where you're at. Get involved in your church, love on the sheep, and uh, stay close to your Lord. And come back next Friday at 1.30 as we continue to look at the signs of the times right here on WIAM. <laughs> 